just a beautiful degree of the presence of God amongst us, and I feel reluctant to move on. And I'm just going to pray and ask him to keep coming on us. So I'm going to talk today about a fire generation, and uh, I want the Holy Spirit to be all over us as we speak today, as I speak even. So Holy Spirit, we just thank you for just your beautiful presence here with us. Just, Lord, continue to come, continue to manifest your glory amongst us. Just touch us, Lord. I want to be changed by you. We want encounters with you. Don't want to just hear a talk, Lord. We want to encounter you. So, Lord, would you just keep coming on us? Would you search our hearts? Lord, would you change us? Would you mould us? Would you shape us? Just keep coming, Lord. We want Jesus to be glorified. We want Jesus to be famous, Lord. That's our heart. That's our desire. We long to see Jesus lifted up. Thank you, Lord. Wow. Amen. Praise God, eh? I, do you know, I had the most wonderful PowerPoint today to show you with pictures and everything, and I was so excited about it that I actually forgot to save it <laughs> onto the memory stick. And So you're just going to have to use your imagination today when I describe this amazing picture I found to show you. Um, but a few months ago, I uh, was asked to go with Dave Devonish. In fact, I asked him if I could go. Sorry, let's just get that clear. Uh, Dave Devonish was preaching somewhere. I said, Dave, can I come with you? And he said, yes, as long as you pray before you come and ask God to give you a prophetic word for this group of people that I'm going to speak to. So I said, okay, I'll do that. That's great. There are about a couple of hundred people at this different, at this venue. It was at Centre Parks, which sounded like a good idea as well. And a couple of hundred people there of all different ages, shapes and sizes and stages. And so I went with a real sense of expectation of what God was going to do. And, uh, and I went with this word. I went with this word which has really impacted me because I felt like God wasn't just speaking to that group of people. I felt like he was speaking to the whole church. And uh, there were several parts to the word that I shared on that day, but this is the nub of it. It's this. It's that God has called us to be a generation of people who are characterized by fire and a people that generate fire. So a generation of people who are characterized by fire and a people that generate fire. I want to say generate, generation. I don't think that was so much to do with the age of the people or the group of the people that were there because uh, there was all sorts of different ages and stages of people at that place. But I felt like it was much more to do with the generation of people that are around the church today. People, so if you're alive today and you're in the church and you're passionate about what God is doing, you're part of that generation, part of what God is wanting to do to make us a generation of fire blazers. I really believe that. And as I say, this has hugely impacted me. This is, I think, a season that God uh, would have us be in and know about as churches today, people that are alive today. 
And I want to share a little bit more about it. And this isn't so much a teaching today, it's more of a prophetic message that I want to share. And I don't know quite how far I'm going to get uh, with the message, because I got a bit of teachy bit at the end. I thought, oh, I better put a bit of teachy bit in. Uh, but we'll see if we actually get there. But uh, as Steve and I were talking about this message, we've been sharing about it because it's changed me and uh, it's, it's really challenged me. I felt that it was uh, a good thing to do to share it on Pentecost Sunday about the fire of God. And uh, there's been a real emphasis in the church, hasn't there, over the last few weeks, now if you pick this up, a real emphasis on the gospel, a power of the gospel, and I believe that God is equipping us to have a fresh faith in the power of the gospel. I believe that's what God is wanting to do amongst us. He wants to give us a fresh passion for the gospel. Uh, He wants to stir us with that message. And it fits with our whole message that we're running with this year about going public. Uh, But crucial to going public was the coming of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus said to his disciples, I want you to go into all the world and preach the gospel, but don't do it wait until the coming of the Holy Spirit. Just wait for that, because that will enable you to be witnesses. So let me just read Acts 2, very familiar passage, verses 1 to 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each one of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Wow. Do you know, I just love that picture. I just love the picture of the day of Pentecost, this group of believers all together, united in heart, We're talking about unity at the moment. Well, here's a great picture of unity, united in heart, having a passion for God, waiting for God in obedience to Jesus, his purpose to go into all the world, very much burning in their hearts, waiting for the coming of the Holy Spirit, when suddenly there's a roaring wind, and the heavens are ripped open, and it says that the Holy Spirit came like fire, and it split over them. Tongues of fire just split. A ball of fire came into the room. And then they're all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in new languages. And I find myself wondering, I wonder what it was like. What was it like to be there? What was it like? What did they experience? What did they see? What was Pentecost like? Because I remember something of this a few years ago when I was a teenager. Before computers were invented, I had a ZX81. Uh, That was about as far as it went. And I was in a meeting with a group of other young people, there were about 200 of us, and there was a man called Norman Meaton speaking at that meeting. And Norman had been around the world preaching the gospel. He's the most extraordinary man. He'd go and live in India for periods of time, and he would just live with people. He'd live with leprosy, people with leprosy, He'd spend time with them, most amazing man of God, a missionary. And he'd been speaking to us about our need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I've got to be honest, it wasn't an easy meeting. These young people weren't sitting there nicely listening. There's a lot of interruptions. There was some disruption. There was some resistance. 
And it was like he was standing there preaching, pouring his heart out, and nobody was listening. What an awful feeling that is. And suddenly he stopped speaking. And he just waited. And suddenly there was a thunderclap that ran across the back of the room. The whole building shook. There was a flash of lightning and the heavens opened. I'm not kidding you. We were terrified. <laughs> the rain started to fall on that room. We were in this one of these tin sort of shacks. And thunder and hail rained down on us. And at the same time, the fear of God fell on us. Literally, the fear of God. It wasn't just a fear of a thunderstorm, something tangible. There was something in the air. The presence of the Holy Spirit fell on us all. And many people just fell on the floor and started repenting for their sin. These young people who would never tell anything of what they did to their parents were confessing their sins loudly to God. Getting their hearts right. Tears. Many tears. And many people were filled with the Holy Spirit. Many people, many of those young people, their lives were changed that night. They encountered the presence of God, the presence of the living God. And many of those young people grew up and got to be leaders of churches sent around the world doing all kinds of things for God. It was a changing point for many, many people. We certainly encountered God that night. And actually, I think we encountered the Holy Spirit and fire. I think it was the fire of God. What is this fire? John the Baptist said that that's what the baptism would be when Jesus came. He says, I'm just baptizing you in water. He says, when Jesus comes, he's going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. What's fire? What is this fire? Well, this word fire is the word fire, or it can be lightning. It's the same word. They're used interchangeably, and lightning is what we saw on that night. Uh, the words are interchangeable. Fire, and fire is the essence of God's characteristic, of his character. It's his essential characteristic. And from all sorts of different verses in the Bible, we see that God in action is like a blazing fire. So, for example, you have Elijah. He shows us that when God answers our prayers, he does so with fire. Ever thought about that? When God answers your prayers, he's the one that answers by fire. Isaiah tells us that God's active presence is like a blazing fire. And he says, who can live with it? Who can live with God's active presence? None of us can, is the implication. Uh, Moses tells us that our God is a consuming fire. He's a jealous God. He consumes things. He is passionate for us. And he doesn't want us going after anything else. He's jealous for us. And we see from Israel's wandering through the deserts that God led them through the night by a pillar of fire. You know, many people are asking for direction. Lord, I want to know where you're going. Imagine God leading you like that by fire. Well, that's what he says. I'm going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. And his spirit is going to lead us. There was fire then on that first day of Pentecost. And so fire is the manifest presence of God in action. 
It's the manifest presence of God in action. When God's fire is around, when his fire falls, you look and see what happens afterwards because he's been in action. God at work. You know if his fire's been there because lives are changed. Radically changed. There's an encounter with God that changes people's lives. The fire of God has been there. The disciples' lives, of course, were completely changed by that encounter. You just think about it. They're in this upper room locked away for fear. They're shaking and they're trembling. The fire of God comes on them. Within moments, they're sent out. And they're preaching on the streets, declaring the wonders of God, speaking in tongues to the very people that they were hiding from moments before. The fire of God has come upon them and consumed them. When God's fire shows up, you can see what he's done. Lives are changed. So what's God's fire like? Well, it's blazing. It's powerful. It's consuming. Perhaps even a little bit hot. So why the candles? You know, why the candles? I don't know if you've seen pictures over the years depicting the coming of the Holy Spirit. And it, it seems like, like each disciple is a, is a candle. And they've got this kind of little candle flame on their heads. Why the candles? Candle flame. Sort of casting a warm glow over their face. <laughs> or sometimes there's a kind of a halo. That's the fire. It's kind of this general brightness around the disciples' head. And occasionally, you know, some artists have seen a slightly larger flame, but never, it seems, does the flame expand beyond the circumference of that disciple's head. So if you've got a bigger head, you're okay. If you've got a little head, you're not going to get a lot. Is that what it was like? Is that the kind of encounter that they had? A kind of benevolent flicker? Where in the Bible do they get the idea that the manifest activity of God was anything like as containable as that? You know, a candle is containable. You pick it up and you move it. You know where the candle is, you know where the flame's going to be, completely predictable and dependable. Is God like that? Is that the kind of dependability? Is that the kind of fire that Elijah called down and destroyed the altar of God with and licked up the ditch of water around it? Kind of candle? I mean, is that the kind of fire that rained down on Sodom and Gomorrah and destroyed the city? Is that the kind of fire that blazes in Jesus' eyes and John's vision in the book of Revelation? Is that the kind of fire? A kind of warm, benevolent glow? Do you know what I think? I think that on the day of Pentecost, the fireball that was blown out of heaven by the very breath of God and separated out, it covered them with blazing fire. It covered them from head to toe and from the inside out as well. They were completely saturated with fire. How about something like this? Oh, the picture's not there. What I had there was a man 
of fire, completely, a stuntman completely covered with fire, and it, it went right out and around him, completely covered from head to toe. He walked, and as he walked, the fire went with him. That's what I reckon. That's what I reckon it's like. I reckon some of them must have been, felt like they'd been struck by lightning. I think they felt the heat of it. I reckon they would have felt that they were about to be utterly consumed. Why do I think that? Well, because I've been touched by God like that. I've had touches of the fire of God. I felt like a thousand volts that have gone through me. And I've never been the same since when I've encountered the fire of God. Many other people here, you've encountered the fire of God. It's not a candle. It's powerful. It's life-changing. You're never the same again. Please get out of your mind any thought that it's anything like a benevolent flame. It's the power of God manifest in our lives. It's life-changing. God wants us to be a fire generation. I've got a lot of sympathy for General William Booth and the song that he wrote. I mean, you can't help but think of it, can you? You can just hear his heart as he led those uh, those soldiers of Jesus into the most degraded parts of London. And he says, O oh God of burning, cleansing flames, send the fire. Your blood-bought gift today we claim. Send the fire today. Look down and see this waiting host and send the promised Holy Ghost. We need another Pentecost, he says. Send the fire today. Send the fire today. I've got some sympathy for that. Now, I don't think we need another Pentecost. That's already happened. The Holy Spirit's already been poured out. And when we sing the song a bit later, you'll see that we've changed the words to make it more accurate. But I understand the sentiment. I understand the heart behind it. Because I think we need some of that fire today. I think we need it. I think we need to feel some of the heat of it in our churches today. We need the fire of God like never before. And I feel, you know, going back to the prophetic thing that I'm kind of living with at the moment, I I feel like there's a kind of a sea change coming in the church at this time. And I don't mean in our church, I mean broadly across the country. You know, in recent months especially, I felt that God has been saying that the time of renewal and refreshing for the church is coming to an end and that we are entering a time when the river is starting to leak out. It's starting to burst the banks. James uh, Firmage came to me at the end of the meeting last week and he says, Do you know, I had a vision during the worship of a river bursting its banks. I think the river's about to burst its banks. <laughs> Wonderful. I think it is. I think it is. I think that's what God is doing at the moment. Uh, I don't think we're going to be able to contain it, what God's going to do. There's no more in the church looking after us, being nice. God's pushing us out. There's a sea change coming. I've had several conversations with people that have come back from seeing what God has been doing in Wales, in Qumran. And there's a whole load of different views on it. Uh, But one of my friends who I respect hugely came back last week and he says there's not much going on for Christians there. He says, nothing like Toronto or Pensacola or anything like that. He says, uh, 
he says, I'm not, I won't say I'm disappointed, but you could hear it in his voice. There was just a sense of slight disappointment that there was nothing really there for Christians. But hundreds of people are being saved. Which would you rather? See, God is reaching out through the church. He is. It's happening. And it's not just come run. You can go there if you like. It's encouraging. Wonderful. It's going to happen all over. It's what God is doing. I was at a prophetic conference last week. Oh boy, that caused me some trouble. But you know, when you go to prophetic conferences and you're with lots of prophetic people, you can get a slight tendency of being a bit self-indulgent. Sorry, but it's just true. We'll pray for each other. We all have a lovely time together and it's all very wonderful, touchy-feely. Sometimes I get a bit bored of it. It's all about the church, all about me. can be like that. But I was amazed because something's changed there. There was a commissioning. There was a sending. There was a prophetic urgency, uh, especially through a lady called Sarah Rawlinson, who um, I think look, is just like Fran. I mean, I just thought it was Fran. It was just amazing. Did you think that? He sounds just like Fran, yeah? And uh, But she was saying... Um, she was commissioning us really for evangelism and changing the world with the gospel to use our prophetic gifts and callings to go out and change the world. How wonderful is that? There's a sea change coming. There's something happening. I think we're about to see some proper revival. I do, and I say that very hesitantly, but I really do. I feel like something's happening that I've never seen before. Are you ready for it? No, you're not. We're not. We're not ready for it. Don't even dare to say yes. I think that's what God's doing. We're at the beginning of something. Why do we need fire? Because we do. We need fire for this. We all need fire. I mean, even from a natural point of view, we can't live without fire. You know, primitive people believed that fire was a gift from the gods. Yeah, it kind of is, really. We couldn't live without fire. It's as essential to life as water or air. You know, without fire, we would freeze to death. Think about it. The sun is just a ball of fire. Where would we be without fire? Life couldn't be sustained on earth without fire. No cooking, no heating, no sunlight. Who would want to be on an earth where there's no sunlight, we have to live in England and there's hardly any. So we go a bit crazy when the sun shines. Who'd want to be on an earth with no sunlight? And as in the natural, so in the spiritual, there's just no life without fire. Interestingly, there was a man who didn't need fire. He didn't need the fire when the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus. He didn't come with fire. The Holy Spirit came upon him. There's no fire. In Mark chapter 1, we, we see that again, that heaven is torn open. There's that violence, there's that crashing in of another kingdom into this kingdom. A massive 
confrontation, but no fire. Rather, it says that in this kind of portal that that opens in the heavens, there's just this dove that flies through and just comes and rests on Jesus. On his head, I don't know, on his shoulder, I don't know where it landed, but it came and it just sat upon him, like Noah. They found a place where the dove was happy to rest, on Jesus. You're my beloved son, came a voice saying, whom I love, with you I'm well pleased. You know, Jesus didn't need fire. Why? Because he was the source of it. Jesus was the source of the fire. He didn't need fire to come on him. He was the fire. He's the one that came to baptize in the Holy Spirit and fire. So the Holy Spirit just came and agreed with him. He didn't need the fire. Guys, but we do. When the disciples, when the Spirit came on the disciples, he came in fire. It involved the activity of God. It involved a confrontation. It involved a power encounter that changed their lives forever. Jesus didn't need the fire, but we do. We need the fire of God. And I think this is an important thing for us to understand in a time when there hasn't been much talk about fire, kind of went out with William Booth. There hasn't been a lot of talk about fire. There's not been a lot of emphasis on the fire of God. And I think that this is part of the sea change that I've been talking about. You know, in the last 30 or 40 years, and I say this prophetically, not theologically, I don't think I can really say it theologically, but I think that the primary emphasis has has been on the church. It's been restoring, reviving, and equipping the church. If you like, it's kind of been the season of the dove. Just coming and encouraging and gently persuading, releasing the spiritual gifts, teaching us, equipping us. It's been the season of the dove because obviously we're, we're Jesus and us, we're tight, we're together. But now God is changing that emphasis. And I think that we need the fire. We need fire. We've always needed the fire, actually. But I believe that there is a fresh emphasis on that. And I'm going to give you three reasons why I think we need the fire. It's probably already obvious, but I want to give you three things to help you to understand why I think this is so important. First of all, passion, power. We need fire for power. We need passion. We need the fire of God for passion. And we need the fire of God for purity. Three Ps. Power, passion, and purity. And I could teach you about this more comprehensively than I want to right now, but I just want to spark something in your heart and talk about this. Because firstly, fire is about power. Acts 1.8 tells us what this power is for. It says, Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses. That's what it's for, power. It, power will come upon you and you'll be witnesses. Power, dunamis, it's the same word that we use for dynamite. We need some dynamite. And this dynamite is, is, is used to make us his witnesses. And I think we need this dynamite, firstly, to change us. You know, we need it to change us. We need God's fire to shape us and to make us into all that God wants us to be. 
We need power to overcome sin, to defeat the enemy, to overcome the world, even to overcome our own flesh, which works against us. We need power. We need God's power. For all these things, we need the power of God through the Holy Spirit. So, for example, in Galatians 5.16, Paul tells us that if we walk in the Spirit, we won't gratify the desires of the flesh. We need power like that, don't we? I think, you know, if I can say this, some of you need to apply some fire to some issues in your lives today. You know, I'm convinced that it's a lack of fire that's the reason for many of us being stuck in areas of compulsive sin. It's a lack of fire. We haven't encountered his fire in our lives. Let heaven's indignation come out of you against some of these things. That's what fire does. I'm not going that way anymore. I'm not being that way anymore. I'm done with that. That's fire. I'm not going to be that way. I'm going to be a holy man of God, woman of God. We need power in us to change us. Secondly, this dynamite changes the world around us. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, we're able to perform miracles, signs, wonders, and healing. Jesus said that we would do all these things and greater things. And when we see these things, it's because the fire of God is being manifested. And I just want to encourage you, we're having a conversation this morning, just sort of observing that, actually, do you know, it's so much easier to pray for the non-Christian than it is for the Christian. They seem to get healed so easily. They seem to experience God so easily. They don't have Christian baggage. They just believe it. You say, look, Jesus says that if I lay my hands on you and pray for your healing, you'll be healed. Is that okay? Yeah, that's great. And they get healed. Power to go out to change the world. Second, thirdly, this dynamite changes others. Because we want to see our friends changed. We want to see our relatives change. We want to see our colleagues or the man on the street respond to the gospel, don't we? We need fire. And you can see this immediately from the response to Peter's preaching on the day of Pentecost. In Acts chapter 2, verse 37, Peter's been preaching on the streets, which you just wouldn't dare to do, would you, anymore? But Peter's preaching on the streets, and and then it says that when the people heard what he was saying, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the other disciples, apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Cut to the heart. And Jesus told us, didn't he, that the Holy Spirit's job was to convict the world of sin. And God, when he's active through us, brings people to a place of repentance. The fire of God leads unbelievers into fear. Did you know that? We don't have to convince them and and come up with all sorts of clever arguments. Actually, we just need the fire of God. Maybe you think I'm just being a bit simplistic. In the 1912 revival... People came under tremendous conviction of sin in England. One of my heroes is Smith Wigglesworth, and I was reading about him this week, and he was telling a story. He says, on one occasion, 
I can't do his accent, but it's really cool. Um, I was traveling to Cardiff in South Wales, and I'd been much in prayer on the journey. He says, the carriage was full of people whom I knew to be unsaved, but as there was so much talking and joking, I couldn't get a word in for my master. As the train was nearing the station, I thought I'd wash my hands. (laughs) As I returned to the carriage, a man jumped up and said, Sir, you convinced me of sin, and fell on his knees there and then. Soon, the whole carriage of people were crying out in the same way. And they said, Who are you? What are you? You convince us all of sin. I believe that we will see things like that again. And many other signs and wonders. I believe it. I've had touches of it. But there's so much more. Fire is about power. Secondly, fire is about passion. You know, there's an amazing occasion where we see Jesus' passion in John chapter 2. He gets absolutely mad with the way the temple's being run. So he goes in there and he gets a whip and he drives out the money changers and says, how dare you, how dare you treat my father's house like this? It's meant to be a house of prayer for the nations and look what you're doing, shortchanging people. Superstition, get out! <laughs> His disciples, it says in verse 17, remembered <laughs> that it is written, zeal for your house will consume me. Zeal, zeal. Are you consumed with fire? Are you consumed with his house? Are you zealous? Are you ever fierce? Are you ever indignant or ever excited even about the things of God? Do we turn any tables over? Do we challenge injustice? Do we defend the undefendable? I'm not having a go. Zeal for your house will consume me. Is it consuming me? Is it? How about the church? How about the zeal for your house? How about the church? Do we ever get passionate about anything? Do we ever get carried away? Oh, but we're so English. Do we ever, you know, I was wanting to stand up in the worship and say, it says, we keep singing about how we want to shout. So why don't we shout? For goodness sake. Supposing God answers that prayer, would we be shocked? Zeal. You know, some people get more excited about the latest iPhone than they do about some of these things. It grieves me. It grieves me. Smith Wigglesworth, him, again quoted one of the Psalms when he said, I believe God's ministers are to be flames of fire. Nothing less than flames. Nothing less than mighty instruments with burning messages with hearts full of love. And he, he was challenging the leaders of churches, especially with this, and this challenges me hugely. 
Because, you know, if our leaders are not on fire, there's very little hope for the rest of us. If our leaders aren't on fire. But I believe in the ministry of every believer as well. So I turn it on you and say the ministers of God are meant to be flames of fire. Now I know that's talking about the angels in the Psalms, but Smith Wigglesworth took it for himself. <laughs> says, if angels, well, we're the people of God. We want to be on fire. And John Wesley says, light yourself on fire with passion and people will come from miles to watch you burn. Guys, is it okay if I get a bit fiery every now and again? Is it okay if we get excited every now and again? Is it okay if we catch on fire so much that people come from miles around to see us burn? Is that okay with you? I want that so much. I want the fire of God amongst us. I want us to have a passion for his name, a Holy Spirit-fueled passion. What are you burning with? What are you burning with today? Are you willing for God to set you on fire? Have you got fire? Have you lost your fire? Thirdly, we need fire because fire is about purity. And there are so many verses about the refining power of God, the refining fire of God. I didn't know which ones to choose. I mean, there are so many. It would be a useful study to do. I mean, Isaiah got it in the form of fiery coals that were placed on his lips from the altar of God in Isaiah 6.6. Peter talks about being refined by fire in 1 Peter 1.7. And then Malachi 3.1-11 describes the coming of the Lord. And it says this, it says, Who will endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? For he will be like a refiner's fire or a laundress soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. We ask for him to come. We've welcomed his presence today. We want his manifest glory. Can we stand before his coming? Can we stand in that fire? Can you stand before him? Are you pure? Are you being made holy? I know we emphasize the grace of God. And that's wonderful, but we also need to be holy. Because the Bible commands us to be holy as he is holy. That's quite a high standard. (laughs) Are you holy? One of the ways that you can be is by being baptized with fire. I remember growing up in a time of the fire of God. Whew. I don't know if I can tell you this, um, but I remember as a child sneaking into the meetings, the adults' meetings, because they were just so wonderful, and I was meant to be in bed upstairs, but I'd sneak in and just lie on the floor and just listen and watch. Fire of God. People would cry out in meetings, coming under the conviction of sin. I remember 
it being a time of incredible discomfort for me as a teenager. I was very uncomfortable around holy people as a teenager. There were certain people who made me very uncomfortable because they carried the fire of God. They carried the holiness of God. And there was something of the awe of God. I was afraid in their presence. That's what it means to be purified with the fire of God and to carry that. We need the fire of God amongst us. And one of the ways that we will know that he is, is because people's lives will change and get cleaned up. People will come under conviction of sin. Guys, if you see people crying in our meetings, don't go over and comfort them too quickly. They may well be coming under the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I believe we're going to see that. We've seen a bit of it in Alpha even. People come under the conviction of the Holy Spirit on one of our, one of the meetings, the fear of God came on the whole room. Who can stand when he comes? Psalm 24, 3-4 Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? One who has clean hearts and a pure heart. Jesus said, blessed are those who are pure in heart, for they will see God. I want to see God. I want to see his glory. I want to be pure in heart so I can see God. (laughs) Do you? Is that what you want? Is that the kind of church you want us to be? It's not about us working something up. It's something that God is doing, but will we cooperate with him? You let the fire of God touch you. Do you want to see him? Do you want to stand before him? Then we need to be holy, as he is holy. And he purifies us with fire. I started with this, that God has called us to be a generation of people who are characterized by fire and the people that generate fire. And I really believe that there is a sea change coming, that there's a call upon this generation of church to be characterized and generators of the fire of God. One of the reasons that we drew our Jubilee logo in the way that we did, which you can't see at the moment, but have a look at it on the flags particularly, we put flames at the top. It's meant to depict flames. We felt that that was part of our calling, as part of what God wanted to do in this generation of church is to be fire in our community, to be fiery, passionate Christians. And I don't say this lightly. I don't, the stuff I'm talking about, this is not a light thing. I've waited on this. I don't know when it was that we were, four or five months, which is a long time for me. It has been burning in me and it's been uncomfortable. I don't actually know what I should do about it, which is why I've got to share it with you. It's certainly got hold of me. It's changed me. It's changed my preaching. There's been a fresh urgency, a sense of the fear of God in me, a desire for holiness, and to see God break out in power. That's what the fire of God does. Jesus came to baptize us in the Holy Spirit and fire. It's about power. It's about passion. It's about purity. So have you got your fire? Christian. So all Christians here. Have you got your fire? Are you on fire for God? Are you passionate for him? Did you ever have it? Have you lost it? 
I just want to invite you to come to the one who baptizes in fire, to seek him. I want us to sing this song of God of, Bur- of God of burning. And I believe that God, we're going to encounter God. We're going to encounter the Holy Spirit and fire as we sing that. Let's sing that song with all our hearts. Let's sing it as a prayer for ourselves, for our church, for the world, for the whole church. I don't want to just be a pocket of revival here in Solihull where we get loads of people coming and gawping. <laughs> I want the fire to spread, don't you? I want to see revival spread across our nation across the whole of the West Midlands, across the whole of the country. I want to see it spreading. I want to see it spreading to Europe. It's such a dark place. They need revival. I want to see it spreading across Europe into Russia and up into northern Russia, into China. I want to see worldwide revival. That's what I'm longing for. The fire of God is what we need in these days, an outpouring of the fire of God. If you're with me, stand. And we're going to pray. And then we're going to sing this song. And then I don't know what's going to happen. (laughs) But right now, just right where you are, just come to God. Just put your hands out. I'm going to pray for us. And then we're going to sing.